So welcome back to another series of Out of the Bubble podcast and I have missed sharing so many inspiring women's stories. I'm excited to be back and I can't wait to share this diverse group of women with you. I have had a break over the summer, life gets in the way, but it's really nice to be back doing what I love. First up is a, an amazing woman that I came across through social media and it's a lady that I've been talking to and interviewed last year during the pandemic um, whilst I was researching a book that I'm working on, which is slow progress, but it will get out there one day. Nicholas is one that might send triggers to some people because she's very honest and talks about her journey through the perimenopause and how it led to self-harming. So if this is a trigger for you, just to let you know that there is this warning out there. Her story of being invisible to invincible is quite an inspiration and, you know, it just proves what is possible and life after 40 certainly doesn't mean to say that you know that's it there is nothing else to achieve because what she's achieving right now and the things that she's doing and stepping out of her comfort zone is just wonderful to see and she is a fantastic example of proving that it's never too late to set new goals in life and new challenges so i cannot wait to share this first episode with you sit back grab a coffee and enjoy so hi Nicola, thank you so much for joining me on Arrest the Bubble. Thank you very much Rachel, I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. It's just lovely how these connections through social media kind of find themselves on, onto the podcast and I love being able to meet people like yourself that you have got such an inspiring story to tell so thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, it's my pleasure. Right, because you just don't hear women of our age that are doing all these things and there's so many people out there and the stories just don't get out there do they? No, and I, th- and I think that is such a shame because there are so many pe- older ladies doing fantastic stuff, absolutely, not just in sport, but in loads yeah. of things. And it just doesn't get publicised. And, and I think it's just, as, especially sport-wise, when they show pictures of older women, it's always just having a nice walk in, a, in you know, and or doing some light weights and things like yeah. that. And it's like, no, that's not what we should be doing. We should be out there, you know, yeah. really, really going for it. And, uh, and especially so, competitive. So you, don't, you don't see competitive sports with older women, do you? No, not so. It's just joining in, you know, yeah. taking part, all that kind of thing. And I, no, I want to win. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, <laughs> a shock to realise how competitive I was once I actually got got out there. You've unleashed like, something in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Unleashed a monster. So. <laughs> <laughs> how do you kind of describe yourself to people now? Oh, blimey! You started with a hard one. I, <laughs> I, I suppose I'm somebody who's. I found their passion, that I've kind of found what makes me tick, what I love doing, that I want to inspire, always sounds a bit kind of like highfalutin, but inspire other women to Mm. to do things and to realise that you, you know, you hit 40 or 50 or whatever, and that's not it. You don't have to sit back and just, you know, do some gardening and stuff like that. It's, it's, there is a a hot, you know, you've got 40, another 40, 50 years, you half your life to yeah. go out and experience stuff. And I mean, we don't have children, so it's not that they've left and we've suddenly got loads of time. It's, it's just the way things have happened with regard to the menopause and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose I am, I am competitive. I, I am, my mother would always say I'm bloody minded. Once I put my mind to something, you know, I go out there and I try to do everything I can to, to achieve that. Yeah. So, and I think, that's probably come out as the older I've got, the more I've realised that it's okay to be bloody minded and to mm. say, no, this is what I want to do and this is what I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm interested in. So putting yourself as a bit of a priority. So how old are you now, Nicola? 53. Right. I mean, because you had a long career in the police force, didn't you? Yeah, I joined the police when I was 25 and did 21 years. So mm. left 
whatever about six years ago now it seems it seems another lifetime mm. i mean prior to prior to that i traveled around i worked in australia in canada in france so spent three and a half years traveling the world because oh, um, i didn't want to go to university i didn't have any ambitions in that in that respect and, mm. and always knew i wanted to join the police and then when i when i finally left canada and came back home i joined joined the police force and then spent yeah, 21 years doing that and then left, like I said, about six years ago. And then my husband and I now run our own property business. So we've got a property portfolio. Hmm. I do all the accounts and things like that and look after some of the houses because um, he's also a police officer. But right. He, he's retired. And then, yeah, I resigned. So never had, you always, had you always known that that was the age that you wanted to retire or did that come about? No. That's how you were changing yeah, it came, it came about because the police force is one of those you do 30 years and you get great pensions. So it's kind of, once you hit like 20, 21 years, it's kind of, whoa, you know, you've got to stay. Yeah. Um, but I just got so unhappy and so depressed. And I now know that that was a lot of link to perimenopause, which I'd never even heard of. Mm. I had no idea that that's what was happening. And I just felt like I was incompetent. You know, it mm-hmm. felt like I just couldn't do the job anymore. And I just hated that feeling of worrying every every day. I would wake up and think, oh, God, what if there's something I can't deal with today? And so it just got to the point where I just could, I really just couldn't cope with it anymore. I'd, I'd started to self-harm. So it, it just like, well, you can't go on. This is, you've got to do something. And mm-hmm. for me, it felt like leaving the police was was one thing that I could do Hmm. um I mean it's really interesting sorry it's really interesting that somebody older that that you don't often hear people older women talking about self-harming and also the fact the fact that perimenopause caused you to feel this low people don't understand how difficult and how deliberately deliberating it can be in life do they no absolutely not I mean I would never ever have said I was someone who would go down that that route and the only way I can describe it is because because I felt such mental pain and 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 anxiety it's like but you've got you know you've got a great marriage you've got you know you're financially secure all the things you know people would look at our lives and think my life and think you know, people have actually said to me, I want to be you. Yeah. And you just think, so I, how can I justify feeling so low? Um, and so the self-harming was really a way of kind of justifying mm. how I felt. It was almost like that gives me a reason to feel this bad. Mm. And it is so difficult unless you, you've been there and, and you've suffered depression or, or anxiety. You really can't understand how debilitating it is and how it does take over absolutely every aspect of your life and you don't necessarily outwardly show that yeah so there must have been a crossover period when you were still going to work as a confident on the on the outside a confident policewoman that that's been you know looked up to in 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 your profession for 20 years and doing the Mm. job you're doing there must be a crossover point when you were outwardly having to go and do that but inwardly feeling dreadful yeah yeah absolutely and and people because i because the self-harming was scratching my arms and people would say, oh, look like you've tried to kill yourself. And I go, oh, I just fell off my bike. You know, and part of me was thinking, God, I just want to tell somebody. I just want to, but just thinking, no, I can't. It's, you know, so so it was always great to be able to say, oh, I just fell off my bike. So yeah, so that was hard, that, that feeling of, I really want to talk to somebody, but 
I'm ashamed of it and I'm embarrassed and it's what would people think? You know, somebody who's always been confident suddenly turning around and saying, I can't deal with this and I don't know why. So what about friends and, and obviously your husband? Because, you know, you've been married a long time and he must that must be really hard for him to... I guess he felt shut out because he couldn't understand why you'd changed and were feeling like you were feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And he has been absolutely fantastic, so supportive and so understanding. And I think it is hard because I couldn't vocalise how I felt. It's how do you expect somebody to understand what you're, what you're going through? So I think he was fantastic through all of it and... I think he he understood how once I said I really need to leave work that that it is you know serious because it's not something I would have done lightly and and I think that was really a show of, to him that things were things weren't great and and yeah I, th- I think without him undoubtedly I, I wouldn't like to say what would happen because you do think kind of I just almost walk out of your life and it's not you just want the world to stop and just think, I just want to stop and regather myself and then get on with it again. Mm. But you, you, don't, mm. you, you don't seem to be able to get off that treadmill and that, have that time. So how did you get yourself back from that? Did you get help from the doctor? Were they supportive? No, doctors, I went, I went twice. They put me on HRT and, that, and it was almost dismissed. And then when I was on HRT, I got my periods back and I just thought, that's not a compromise I'm willing to, to do. And I think once I'd started to kind of feel better and I got back into to a bit of sports, started with park run and things like that. And that made such a difference to, to my mental health, mm. just hugely. And I think my enthusiasm for it's always been better than or bigger, greater than my ability. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I just really, it really does... Friend, when somebody would come and watch me run, a friend of ours, she always says, God, you just look like you're having such a great time. You're always so happy. And so I think that that really was what, what started the recovery, was just mm. getting back into into sport. I mean, you've obviously been sporting. You have to be very physically fit to be a police officer. And yeah. sport has been in your life in, in, a, in a lower yeah. level, hasn't it, throughout your life? Yes. But, yeah. uh, but what was the thing that, in your head, you must have come to a point where you thought, right, I've got to do something. I've got to get out running. Or I've got... was there a point where you just thought, I've got to make changes? Um, I think it, it, get, it got to, because I put loads of weight on, I put over three stone on, and everything just became uncomfortable. Everything became hard work. And you'd look back and you'd see photos of yourself doing races. And as well, because cause I'd kind of withdrawn from friends and when I left the police, you kind of lose all the, all your friends or the majority of them because they're all police officers. So it was kind of if I joined a running club first, and that was a kind of way to be social, but with an activity involved. So because I found social interaction really difficult, mm. and so it was a way to kind of meet people, but be social. But there was a an activity going on, so it wasn't just purely meet for a drink or do anything mm. that was like that. And it was. Christmas well not Christmas yeah about Christmas two years ago and I just thought you can't you can't go on like this you know you're still young it's is this going to be the rest is this the rest of your life Mm. you you can't have it as the rest of your life and so I purposely messaged the running group on Facebook and said I I want to come it'll be the first time come because I thought that will 
make me go. Yes. And, and I just went along and they were just so friendly and they and ran very slowly with me. <laughs> um, and, it was, and it was just nice and that just kind of, yeah, this is, and I just felt so great afterwards. So lots of women would have just kept at that and been quite happy to do a weekly park run and, and just, you know, think that's it, that's my exercise ticked off for the week. But you have not done that, have you? So where no. where did it go next from doing your running club and how did you think, actually, I'm going to try and do a triathlon? Yeah, I'd done a couple of triathlons beforehand mm. and really enjoyed them. It was, it was it's such a buzz. And once you've completed, once you've completed one, it's like, oh my, I've just done a triathlon. That was just amazing. And so, so there was always that, that I know I'd enjoyed them before. I like the fact that you're training for three different events so that if you don't want to run, you can bike. If you don't want to bike, you can swim. So you, you can get the variety. And I've just, I've always, without sounding as if I've not achieved anything or what am I really proud of Hmm. and then looking at like the age group triathlon I just thought that would just be amazing can you imagine putting on Hmm. a tricep with GBR written on it and you're representing your country that's that's just amazing and so just thought well I've I've got the time I've got no excuses Hmm. not to give it absolutely everything to to try and do it and then it just really fired me up and I just thought yeah, I can do, I can do this. I can, I think. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting that you say that you, you've got to a point where you thought, well, you know, what actually am I proud of? When, you know, my immediate thoughts is, wow, you must have been so proud to have had that fantastic career as a police officer and, and, and kind of got through everything you've got through to get to where you are now. It's interesting that you didn't see it like that. Yeah, and I think that's, that's part of the problem, isn't it? You don't mm. see... You set, see it from yourself. Other people will say something and you'll think, yeah. what? That's not me. What do you mean? Yeah. So and we're, we're not very good at complimenting ourselves or thinking no. positively. I, you know, you look at other people and think, oh, you've achieved so much. Mm. And you think, oh, what, have I got, what have I got to be proud yeah. of? And what I completely I relate to that. And I think it's a real yeah. female, it's a female thing as well, isn't yeah. it? I think we're really yeah. bad at blowing our own horn and our own trumpets about stuff. That yeah, we, oh. well, we don't. Yeah, we don't like it at all. And I think, I mean, I'm the youngest of six. And so I suppose it's almost like I've always been the last to do anything. So it was a bit of a, all right, yeah. Because mm. <laughs> everybody's done it before you. So So what is exactly, what is a triathlon? So how, what's the distances for three, for three events? Well, there's lots of different, different distances. But the two that I'm concentrating on are a sprint, which is either a 400 metre swim if it's in a pool or 750 metres if it's out in a lake, a 20k bike ride and a 5k run. And then your um, Olympic distance is a 1500 metre swim and they're always open water, a 40k bike ride and a 10k run. Wow. And you're you're aiming for those, both of those? Yeah, because they're they're kind of the ones that you can do, because otherwise you get into silly distances that I just think, oh... Yeah, because they're not silly at all. (laughs) (laughs) And especially when you when you talk about sprint distances, because individually they're not very long distances, but you put them together and it makes a huge difference. It's quite surprising that, uh, and especially because you're going all out for it the whole time rather than dawdling along. So, how much training do you do for it now? Obviously, COVID's I, come along and that's, I guess that's hindered it for the swimming side yeah. of stuff. I mean, the swimming, I've just got back into the pool now mm. in the last kind of um, three or four weeks, which is fantastic. <clears throat> Running and biking, I'll do 
Normally I'll do um, some weight training and then interval training. So that will be about an hour and a quarter, four times a week. And it will be either interval on the bike or interval on the, on the running. And then I'll do a long run, which is 90 minute, and a long bike ride, which is about three hours, three and a half hours so during the week. So it's probably about 10, 11 hours worth of training a week um, that's a lot i mean that's do i love i love hearing these stories because you know we do not hear about women like you in the press do we when yeah. it comes to no. activities and sports it's just like we're invisible no. and there's this a group yeah. of amazing women like yourself that are out there being competitive not only with themselves yeah. but as yeah. as a competitive sport and yeah. we're just not represented why i wonder why we're not I wonder why people don't hear about it I don't know because I I do find it very frustrating because recently there's there's a woman who's just won you know a, the cross the country wrote, um, running race they've won around the world bike races and they've done fantastic feats and yet you don't hear about them but some bloke goes and breaks a record by ten seconds and it's all over the front page of the BBC but there are women out there yeah. doing amazing things you know yeah. beating the men and yet. It's never on the news, and I don't know. I just don't know why women aren't deemed to be. <laughs> no. But what sort of time scale do you do it in there? What's your time goal? What do you have to get to qualify? How does, oh. it, how does it work with the GB qualifications? Right, right there. Now the science bit. <laughs> <laughs> so to qualify for either the for the Europeans, you have to come within a hundred and fifteen percent of the winner of your age group. So the ta- the time that the winner does it, you've got to either before within the top four or come within 115% of the winner. Right. And for the um, world championships, you've got to come within either fourth or um, 120% of the winner of your age group. So it really does depend on how speedy the women in your yeah. age group are. And there are some speedy women. Uh, what's your age um, group? What is the age range? Well, it will, because... It will, I'll now go up an age group and I'll be in the 55 to 59. Try and qualify next year when I'll be 54, but competing would be the year after when I'd be in 55. And that, that does, they are a little slower, but they're certainly not slow. So you're looking about two and a half hours for a Olympic distance one and about an hour and 10, 15 for the sprint distance. That sounds scarily fast to me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the fastest I've ever done a sprint is 123. So still got a way to go. And over short short distances, obviously, it's it's harder to catch up. Yeah. But um, and what's been was, your slowest? What was your first time when you first did it? Can you remember? The, uh, the slowest one was one hour. I've, I've never gone under one hour thirty, so it was it will have been about one twenty nine. So I just always got under one thirty. And then for the Olympic distance, my slowest was three hours twenty, and I've just pipped under three hours now. So, uh, but all before, but we've obviously not had any races this year, so I've no idea whether the new training and everything like that is is working. So we'll have to see. In a season, how many triathlons will you do? There are twelve qualifiers. Right for each distance um, and some are on the same day and what have you so I would probably end up probably doing 10 and some will be down south so it's not worth traveling so it's it's a lot are in the Midlands there's a lot around here obviously Leeds so yeah it would probably be 10 triathlons and I'll do some other like 10k races and, and things like that just just to keep going so 
how has it changed you? What's what's been the kind of significant changes to how you feel about yourself now from from doing oh, this? Massive, absolutely massive. I just feel so much more confident, happy in myself. Look forward to the future because that was a that was a huge thing. Kind of the loss of joy, the loss mm. of why am I bothering? And like I said, it's really made me passionate about looking at how how do I take this to other women? How do I show? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've got my invisible to invincible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's how how do I then build on that and and hopefully help other other women? Not necessarily to do, you know to go out and do triathlons, but just do something and realize that they are more than capable of doing it. And it does help. The exercise just helps immensely. So let's move on to Invisible to Invincible, which I just love the name. So tell us more about that. How did it start? You know, what's it all about? It really started because I think it's it, invisible is certainly a word that you hear so many women in their midlife going through the menopause or pe- they they always say I suddenly felt invisible and I started writing um, a journal up and I and the first page I just wrote invisible to invincible and because that's how I I thought going from invisible and then if I did qualify for GB I would feel invincible and my husband read it and he said he thought that that was just an absolutely fantastic phrase um, and that I ought to use it so then I was speaking to some friends and I said, I've got this idea of setting up a Facebook group called Invisible to Invincible. And they said, oh, that's amazing. You know, we've just been talking how there's no help out there for, for women of, of menopause and going through it and what, what to expect and what to do to help the symptoms. And that was really how it started to become a bit more of a an idea. So mm. I set up set up the Facebook group and it is, it's only a small group. So there's not thousands of people there, but it's a, a real friendly, supportive, positive group where we share ideas about exercise and healthy eating and things like that. Just things to help you through, through the menopause. Brilliant. It's all about supporting each other, which is, you know, now seems like a really important time for women to be supporting one another. It's, it's a brilliant kind of feeling and like a movement at the moment, I guess, isn't it? Absolutely. It does feel like it's really getting momentum. And, and with, like I've said in my thing, I, I think we ought to be the vocal generation so that those coming behind us know what to expect. And I think that certainly seems to be happening. We do certainly seem to have, like you said, a, a kind of movement going on now, which is brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'll put the um, Facebook link as well onto the show notes. If people listening want to go and find you, then they can come and join the group. So I'll I'll put that in the notes as well. Brilliant. Fantastic. How comfortable are you now at sharing your story? Because obviously it's a really personal thing to talk about what you've been through and and to the point where you get to the self-harming and and feeling so depressed that you really struggled. How difficult do you find being open about that? Not at all now, but that is only because I've started to do it more and because... I just felt once I'd started to get over it, I just thought I'd look back and be horrified at how bad I felt and just thought, no, I can't, I can't be the silent generation as it were. So I, I, I sent messages to all my nieces and said, you know, this is the, please read this story. The, this is what, um, what I've been through and I don't want you to do it because I'll go through it because I didn't say anything. And, and so it made me more comfortable with it because and as well, once you get onto Twitter and Facebook and you realise there are lots of women going through similar things, you think, well, I'm not, I'm not yeah. the only one or I'm not unusual. And you just think, no, we've, we've got to stop making it a taboo. Yeah. And so now I feel very comfortable saying it. I always feel slightly guilty with regard to my husband. And I always 
you know, because I just think I hope people don't think, well, he was rubbish if he let you got that get that bad because that's not. No. <laughs> not it's an internal thing that nobody can help unless yeah, you ask absolutely. the help. Absolutely, and you and you can outwardly seem perfectly all right, whereas yeah. inside you're not. So I do feel very comfortable talking to talking about it now because I don't. I no longer think it's something to be ashamed of or not not to share it's just no it's just this this is the reality of it and the more people that talk about it the more normal it will become yeah. and hopefully the less the less traumatic for, for people if they know that yeah that's all part of it what surprised you the most about your competitive nature and your love for the, for doing the triathlons now has something really surprised you about yourself that you didn't really know before yeah i, th- I think it was how competitive i am yeah. just and when, now that I've I've thought about qualifying for GB, I now get really really nervous because it matters so much to me. Before before anything, I'm I'm always got to try and um, it's like my 10k this weekend. It's like right, I've got to get under 53. That's my aim, and if mm. I don't, I'll be really. So I've I've become quite competitive, and I love doing all the research into into the times. So I've got spreadsheets full of the winner of my age group and what her time was and what pace that means I've got to run at and what do I need to run if I get and I've got spreadsheets full of every or every you know figure you could ever think of and I think that's that's been my surprise of how it's not just oh, well I'll give it a go I'll go and race and see how I get on it's like no I know exactly what what I need to be doing and how quick I need to be on the bike on the run and the swim and I think that kind of competitive side and stat side tactical side of it has been a, a surprise this is what i love though because this is the bit we don't get we, we we don't get this you know that women are competitive and find real passion in later in life yeah. this is you know it's fantastic talking to you because you just you can tell you get so much joy yeah. from doing it and it's yeah. like that second life isn't it that we, it's oh, so absolutely. important absolutely yeah yeah and i and i think when you think of like over 50s clubs and 55 retirement villages and things like that you say what this is i mean yeah if that's what somebody wants to do but there are so many of us who don't and can't even begin to imagine that and and to hear other people's stories and and it's like i've said looking at the stats for some of some of the women um in my age group what you need to go and eat some cake because you're really a bit too (laughs) quick you know just times and, and you just think, yeah, there are so many out there, but unless you're actually specifically looking for them, you don't see them. And that's such a shame that it's not... I mean, the likes of Louise Minchin and, you know, Kelly Holmes and people mm. who are still quite active are, are, are doing a little bit, but it's still not just mainstream, which is such a shame. What advice would you give to somebody that is going to attempt their first one <laughs> at some point next year? <laughs> How would I you would, start? <laughs> I think pick which one you're going to do. The, the shortest. <laughs> the, short, the shortest and the flattest. Mm. I would go short and flat. And I would just start really slow and just just look at them as as three individual distances so i can swim five four hundred meters then start with a with a a bike ride and then think right i need to run a 5k so there'll be park runs and things like that which are all 5k races and it's doing because a lot of my training is individual i might bike in the morning and swim in the afternoon but I don't put them all together all all the time until right near the race Mm. and then I'll do some multiple sessions 
so it's just doing it really slowly do it as individual disciplines and then you put them together within the last two or three weeks before the race you 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 start adding them together because and it's only really the um bike into a run because getting off the bike and starting running is, is like running drunk it's really weird because your legs are so used to pedaling yeah and then obviously they're running and, they're, yeah. and they just don't want to do it so and how do people find out about where they can enter as a beginner is there, is there like a main um, website in the uk well the the british triathlon site has all the events you can go and just search events hmm. and it will tell you um all the events that are that are going on um of facebook will there'll be like there are triathlon forums and things like that Mm. um that you can find out what's going on but british triathlon if you go into the website and then there's a a little thing saying events and you just go in and it will tell you all the events and you can say sprint distance or whatever distance um and it will just come up with all of them um for how will you know whether you whether you've got to the point where you whether you've qualified or not it, they're still kind of working it out at the moment because of because they've had no qualifying races this year. Mm. They're now taking people's results from previous years, but they are looking at the end of September. They're looking at putting out next year's qualifying races. Right. So once you've done those, and if you you would either know as soon as you finish because you'll be in the top four, mm. um, and or within one hundred and fifteen percent. So mm. you, you can imagine or you can think, yes, I've done it quite quickly, um, yeah. but it certainly won't be. Too, I think the first event is at the 27th of, no, 17th of May is my yeah. first event um, at the moment. So. so brilliant. Honestly, you're just yeah. what an inspiration. <laughs> I love your story. And thank you so much for sharing. It's brilliant. Yeah, not a problem at all. No, I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying being able to do it. Because I do think, like you do, you know, it's just so important that it gets out there. That actually, I love the opportunity to do it. So. I think it's, and I think the more people share how difficult perimenopause is, because we all talk yes. about the menopause, but I'm the same. I got yeah. through. I went through a really difficult time with the perimenopause. I just completely yeah. lost myself. I didn't know who I was. Yeah. I just lost yeah. all motivation. I really struggled, and it's just yeah. not talked about. Yeah, and I think because it can go on for so long and start so young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my my periods just stopped when I was 44. Mm-hmm. It was like somebody just turned it. That was it. And I had no issues with them at all. They just suddenly stopped. Yeah. But I had no idea that years before then, I was perimenopause and I, that's what was causing all the issues. It was, I've never, I'd never heard of it. Are you now completely yes. past it? Yeah. And yeah. feel so much better, presumably. Not oh, just yes. because of the exercise, but because of everything. Yeah, yeah I, I, night sweats and all those kind of things. I still get insomnia, but, you know, that's part of it. But, but yes, and alcohol and coffee I'm very sensitive to, but mm. so be it. I'm not going <laughs> to give those up. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm totally past it, past it now. And I, and I can tell, even in the last, I would say, 18 months, feeling so much better than I was and yes that's probably due to the exercise but also I think I'm just that much further on in the in the menopause that the the symptoms are very very little now compared to what they were so what's the best piece of advice you've been given before a wrap-up I I think the best piece of advice I'll give is talk to people is seek help is don't don't keep it to yourself don't think that you're the odd one out and 
just be persistent if you go down with your doctors and things like that don't don't be fobbed off like i was just slap you on a hrt and if that doesn't work well tough i, I think it's just be be and talk talk to people realize that you know you're not alone mm-hmm. um and just yeah. seek the help don't just don't suffer if you could pay yourself one compliment what would it be uh, my a compliment would be oh blimey how bad are we at that it's bad because we do we always bat it off with something don't yeah. we always say oh, you i know. just think the show of determination mm. that i've i've shown real determination and grit yeah. and kind of grabbed it rather than just let it take me over so Fabulous. along those lines yeah love it <laughs> thank you so much it's just brilliant to no talk problem. to you really appreciate it. so i knew nicola's story wasn't going to end there and i couldn't wait to catch up with her once life started opening up again so time to catch up with nicola and share her exciting news nice to catch up with you after talking to you last year lots has happened so fill us in with your exciting news yeah absolutely um so for the last year i've been trying to qualify as a g be triathlete um they do what's classed as an age group system so that you can compete um, at world or european championships um in your age group they do it in five-year brackets so um i did quite a few races triathlon and duathlon um and i got a letter on the 7th of october it's in dust on my in my brain saying that i had Um, qualified for the world championships in the sprint duathlon um, for 2022. So yeah, absolutely thrilled and quite shocked by that. But yes, I'm uh, really, really happy. Oh, congratulations. What an achievement. It's just amazing. We're obviously talking to you last year and going through the story and, you know, just where you've got, where you've started from to here. Um, it's just, you know, huge congratulations. You must be so proud of yourself. It's fantastic. Yeah, I am. And, and I'm absolutely thrilled with all, with people that have come and said congratulations, how inspirational they found it. And that's really quite humbling to think you've had an effect or so many people are kind of be backing you up and on your side. So, yeah, that, that's been really amazing as well. And I guess the hard work starts again now, even more so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It kind of um, got a bit serious now. So, yes, unfortunately, I don't know when they're going to be, what date it is. So it's it's trying to keep up that motivation and that level of fitness so that if they suddenly turn around and say, well, they're in April, yeah. then I'm ready. But if it might be November. So I'm just really waiting for dates now. Then I can get really focused down onto a, onto a training plan. Well, just honestly, huge congratulations and thank you again for sharing your story because it's so inspiring and I hope that that's encouraged other people to kind of have a go at something different and, and for their own kind of mental well-being um, and to see what they can achieve because you have just proved to everybody, you know, what is possible. Look where you started from that fledgling idea at 50 to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to look back and think, yeah, I, I kind of thought about, like you said, a fledgling idea when I hit 50 or it's something I might do. And I always thought, oh, I wonder what it would be like to get that email saying, congratulations, you've you've been you've qualified. Never really, I think, thinking that it would actually happen. And yeah, it's taken me four years to get there, but it has finally happened and it's absolutely fantastic. Amazing. How can people follow this journey? Because I know there'll be people listening that want to kind of continue this journey with you and see how you get on. So where can people find you? Um, on my um, Facebook page that's called Invisible to Invincible about beating menopause through sport and support. 
So um, I put little blogs on there uh, with regard to my journey and where I am and what's happening. So yes, I've done a few podcasts for the local radio, the BBC Humberside as well. So I'll be putting those on um, as well. So that's the best place to find me. Take care and I'm looking forward to seeing how you get on with that. (laughs) Good luck. Thank you. Lovely to catch up with you again, Rachel. Thank you. It's so good to be back sharing these inspiring stories and what a woman and you know I can't thank Nicola enough for being so honest in her journey because you know we have got so much more to offer life after 40 and Nicola proves that from being invisible to invincible you know look at what she's achieved and I can't wait to see what she goes on to continue to to achieve and I will definitely be following her journey so I hope that that's inspired you to start something new and maybe something that you've been thinking of you know no matter how small a step to do something different just for yourself then I'd love to hear your story so please keep sharing them come and find me rachelperu.co.uk you can email me love to hear what you're up to and you can also find me on instagram rachelperu1 i'll be back in a fortnight with some more inspiration but in the meantime keep being fabulous